Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we love you and we look forward to learning and growing. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher. I know that when I'm sharing, you're doing so much more. You're giving us revelation. You're guiding our thoughts. You're reminding us of truth and Bible scriptures. You're helping us by building on what we already know and adding to it. And I pray, God, that you would add to us by this lesson and in this environment. And for those online, we pray that you would teach us and instruct us equip us and encourage us. We need you and we thank you that you're our leader. You're helping us to have handles and to lay hold of the prophetic ministry so that we might build each other up with spiritual gifts, namely prophecy. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 If you were to um, ask 10 different people what prophecy is, I'm sure you'd get 10 different answers. And there's good reasons for that. In fact, when I was 19, almost about 20 at this time, I told you my story about coming to Christ and there are some supernatural components. And I know many of you have experienced the Holy Spirit. And when you came to Christ, God touched you in a very dramatic way. And so praise God for that. Some of us just made a decision to come to Christ. And that is no less significant. However you came to Christ, we came to Christ. And that's what's important, what the truth is. And we want to build our lives on the truth of God's word. But I encountered the Holy Spirit in some pretty radical ways, probably because I needed to. Honestly, I needed to get delivered. And I needed to really see how real he was because of the debate that was going on inside my life. But about that time, I was going to Shoreline Community College up there in North Seattle, where Bridget and I hail from before we came down here to the South End. So that's where we were up there. And I was going to Shoreline Community College, and there was a church. I didn't know which church, but they were having this Bible seminar at the community college. And it was after hours back in the days where you could rent like a room at a community college. I don't know if you could still do that. I, I kind of tend to think you can't because it was about 20 years ago. But that's what they were doing. And so I went to this, I went to this Bible seminar. You know why? Because they had a really cool flyer. You know when you walk by the billboards and there's that flyer? I can remember it to this day. No joke. They had a flyer of a world and it was like God was in the back and his hand was on the on the whole world, because he's got the whole world. Okay, people, work with me. All right. He got the whole world in his hands, and they actually, when you showed up to the Bible seminar, they gave you a Bible, an end times Bible, and it had the same picture with God in a, in a robe in the background, and he had a hand on the world. And I thought, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen, and I wanted to know about all this stuff. You know, I read the book of Revelation just slightly, and it talks about dragons and and harlots and lava, and there's all, I didn't know what was really going on there, but I just thought it was amazing and fantastical, and I needed to go learn about this, and so the flyer just said it all. So me and a buddy, I talked somebody else into coming with me because misery loves company, of course. So we went to this Bible seminar about the end times, and it was all about Bible prophecy, and I sat through about two lessons, and uh, they were trying to convince us of this and that, and I won't go into it because it was pretty deep. And then they moved it to a Seventh-day Adventist church and uh, tried to arm wrestle me into not working on Saturday, honestly. That's really the truth. And, uh, and so I didn't end up staying with them. No offense to Seventh-day Adventists, just saying. I didn't realize that's what was going on. So they were all about Bible prophecy, and they were teaching about how the Orion in the sky, I don't know if you've ever heard any of this teaching and how that correlates with this and that, and they were walking through the book of Revelation. It was super awesome but I wasn't sure if it was actually biblically accurate. What I did learn during that Bible seminar was that when you say the word prophecy, not everybody means the same thing. Because at the same time, I was going to this little assembly of God church that only seats about 200 people, and it was packed with 300 people like every night. And you had to step over people because some folks were falling out under the power and they just didn't know to get back up. So they stayed there. And, and it was one of those churches where when you, everybody gave a, you're, some of you are laughing, you just flashback, <laughs> am I telling the truth? You know I am. So 
it was one of those churches where when they did the offering, everybody had to come up front and they had to give their offering. And so, I, you know, I had some empty envelopes once in a while because I didn't have any money. But we had to go, everybody had to go up and give their offer. I won't do that to you here. Trust me. I'm not going to do that to you. I understand people do it. I respect you. I just, I'm not going to force everybody to do that because there's a couple of you that were like me when I was 20 and you're not going to have anything in the envelope and I don't want you to lie to the Lord like I did. So anyways, this is not going very well. You know what I'm saying. But so I was going to this, this little Assembly of God church on one hand and I'm going to this Bible seminar on the other and these guys are talking about prophecy and there's like people getting up, yay, I say unto thee, and they're talking in King James language and all that. It was real pretty language. Uh, is Elizabethan English. We don't use it anymore. But anyways, they were doing that and they were prophesying. And it was pretty cool because sometimes they would prophesy and it was right. Like they would say something to a person and there's no way they could have known this person and whether or not that was right. But it was right because people were just totally experiencing God and it was the power of God was moving in this place. But over here, they're trying to convince us of the Orion and, and uh, all the different constellations and everything. And I didn't, I, what I learned was when you say the word prophecy, not everybody means the same thing. And that's why when I talk about it, people don't always know exactly what I'm talking about. So maybe when, you, when I say prophecy, you think of somebody getting up in the middle of a worship service using King James English, yea, I say unto thee, God has something for you, and it's, you know, whatever. And you might have heard that, or you think of some kind of end times unfolding of future events. You might think of that. that. That would be referred to as Bible prophecy. And maybe I say prophecy, and you don't know what you think about it. Maybe you're right there, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe you grew up in a church, or maybe you've just been going to a church, you didn't grow up in church at all, and they never talked about it. So you just have, maybe you'd be ignorant to it, and you, you know, not, not that you chose that, but that's sort of where you're at. And that's actually a good place to be. But some of us come with a little bit of teaching and past experiences like I did. And so in my experience, since I went to the seminar, and I'd go to this church, and I'd have supernatural encounters, and then you'd hear prophecy, I was kind of confused. And so I find lessons like this. What is prophecy to be really important? And that's why I want to give you my definition of prophecy according to my study of the scripture, which I'm actually going to bring you through in an expedited fashion. So here is my definition of prophecy. It's multifaceted, but it is simple. It is a message inspired by God, communicated through a person. I know that sounds really simple, and it is, but it's got components to it, and I hope to break that down. A message inspired by God, communicated through a person, because I think that this actually captures the crux of what prophecy really, really is. In the Old Testament, I want to go through the OT first and go through the New Testament second, The Old Testament Hebrew word for prophecy, there's a couple of them, but the primary one that's used is only really used four times, and it literally just means prediction. And you'll find that in like 2 Chronicles 9, uh, 2 Chronicles 15, Nehemiah 6, and Daniel chapter 9, the famous Daniel chapter 9. And so you'll see this when you look at Scripture. And the reason you're not going to find this word in Hebrew referenced or the word prophecy in Scripture is because the writers of Scripture didn't find it important to describe or to define the word when they were actually describing experience. For example, if you look at like uh, Ezekiel 33, and there's many other places in the Bible, it will say this, the word of the Lord came to me. What does that mean? That means a person was receiving a prophecy. So it doesn't, the writer of that particular passage or the books of the Bible didn't feel the need to say, and this person received a prophecy. It does not, it's describing an event that's taking place, but we understand that Ezekiel was receiving a prophetic word. And so that's why if you just break out your concordance and you try to find every occurrence or every event of a prophetic word being received or given, you're going to miss a ton of stuff because the experience was described, but it wasn't defined by the word itself. And so you're only going to find the word for prophecy in English In Hebrew, it's only used four times. It means prediction. And I think that's really important for us to know. Now, the Old Testament Hebrew word for prophesy, everybody say prophecy. That's a noun. That's what something is. Prophesy is what you do. That's the verb. It's when somebody ministers the word that has already been given. Prophecy That's why people always mistake my book. They always say prophecy. And I see this misspelled more times than I ever want to 
tell you about. And I do correct people, and I'm sorry if it's you. But prophecy is the noun. It's what it is, a message that's given by God, communicated through a person. Prophesy is what somebody does. It's when they minister that word. And so the word prophesy in English is found 59 times in the Old Testament. And it means this. It means to bubble up and to pour forth words like those who speak under divine inspiration. So this is important because the word prophesy and the word prophesying are almost entirely associated with prophets in the Old Testament writings. So whenever you see these words, prophecy, prophesy, they're associated with prophets almost entirely. And there's only a few exceptions to that, which means, and I'm going to set this up for the next coming weeks, is that only prophets primarily prophesied. There are a few exceptions to that. You'll see a couple kings that have prophesied, and there's a couple companies of the prophets. Or occasionally when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon a group, many were prophesying in that group. But those are very few examples in comparison to what you read about time and time and time again. In fact, there are several books of the Bible that are described as major prophets and minor prophets. There's about 15 combined, and so it's important. Now, there is an exception, as I told you, to those that were prophesying not being prophets, and that's really like Numbers chapter 11, verse 26. Here's what it says. I'll just read it to you. It says, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp, and they were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit, Spirit of God, also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. Now, I just want to make a note right there. The Holy Spirit rested upon, and they prophesied. In the Old Covenant, this is what you're going to find again and again. It's when the Holy Spirit was manifested. Another term for this was when the anointing of the Holy Spirit came. The anointing would cause people to prophesy. By the time we get to the New Covenant in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, this is going to make a lot of sense. So we've got to lock some of these things in because we don't usually make the connection. You see the same thing in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 13. We go and we look in the New Testament, and this is a lot of consolidated information, but it's really important. In the New Testament, obviously, it's written in the Greek language originally, and so the Greek word used for prophecy means the speaking forth of the mind and the counsel of God, or it can mean declaring the purposes of God. The Greek word used for prophesy, prophecy, prophesy, in the New Testament, it means speaking forth divine counsel or foretelling future events. Now, that word foretelling, I'm going to come back to because I want to describe two different kinds of prophecy, and I think it's really important. So, going back to my definition which is a message inspired by God communicated through a person. That's what a prophecy is. That's what a prophetic message actually is. Now, I want to help describe two different kinds of prophecy, and this is where we're going to bring it full circle and come to where we are as well. The two different kinds of prophecy, if there were others, I wouldn't know it, but there is foretelling and there is forthtelling. Now, you want to know the difference between the two. And I'm going to give the people what they want. I just want to encourage you and have fun. All right? Some of you need to smile. Foretelling means to speak something before it happens. Forthtelling means to speak forth the present priorities of God. Foretelling means to speak something before it happens. Forthtelling, it means to speak forth the present priorities of God. Of God. This is so important for us to understand this because we realize that usually when people speak of prophecy in the New Testament sense, they're usually thinking of foretelling. And they really, when, when we think of even charismatic or Pentecostal gifts, the, gift, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whenever we read about the gifts of the Spirit, Romans chapter 12, we're going to read about prophet in Ephesians 4, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, we're going to read about the gift of prophecy, and typically because we don't read all of the passages in the Bible as it pertains to one topic, I mean, most of us don't unless you write a book, you're going to think that prophecy, when a prophecy is given, it's going to speak something in advance because we're going to relate it to what we know and what we've read about so many times 
in the Old Testament. And I think that's just what happens. And so we tend to not, therefore, understand what foretelling is. We understand what foretelling is, that in 15 days, this is what's going to happen to you. But foretelling, speaking into somebody's heart and speaking into someone's life, right here and right now, is also, in my opinion, 75% of what the prophetic ministry actually is. And I'm going to hope to break that down for you so you can see what I actually am talking about by saying something like that. Now, let's just look at foretelling for a minute. Not forth, but foretelling. This is similar to like a meteorologist that's forecasting the weather. They're relaying information about what the weather is going to do in days to come, right? So on my app, I know pretty much that it's going to be 84. I mean, it's not always as accurate as what we're talking about, but it's going to be 84 on Sunday. And so we have somebody that's providing information about what will take place in advance. Now, a large percentage of what we think about when we think of foretelling is going to be related to like messianic prophecies. Some scholars say there are hundreds of messianic prophecies. When I went through scripture, I could find about 80, 85, somewhere in there. And there's probably hundreds, but I couldn't verify that or validate that myself. I'm just saying I know for sure there are very specific prophecies about the Messiah coming. Here's a couple. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 29 Israel would be divided into two kingdoms. That happened. And the prophets spoke forth in, forth in advance, speak before it happens. That was foretelling. Number two, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. This is uh, Micah 3.11. The Messiah would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. The Messiah, the coming Christ, would be born in Bethlehem. That's Micah 5.2. The Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. We all know that happened, right? And we read about that in Zechariah 11. Uh, verses 12 through 13, and also the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. That's 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. These were prophecies that were given foretelling future events about the coming Messiah. If you ever want to just help people get grounded in the reality of Scripture, we've got to remember that these prophecies, these weren't like good guesses. These weren't like Nostradamus, like trying to hit, some, hit a rock with a baseball bat and hopefully it hits the right spot. I mean, this was actual events that were prophesied clearly and they came to pass clearly. Now, there are some that are somewhat ambiguous and people argue over whether or not that prophecy was related to this or that, but there are some really, really clear messianic passages in the Bible. And what happens is, because we read about how serious and how specific those are, surely that can't happen anymore, right? And that's what prophecy is. And so you can imagine why many people in the body of Christ, namely not Pentecostal, primarily evangelical or reformed or other, they're going to think that prophecy is only Bible prophecy, and that's what somebody, some people think that prophecy is. So there's no way in the world somebody's giving something like that today because everybody that ever tries misses, right? Well, some do actually, but this is what we're talking about. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize that the prophecies of Scripture, no matter whether they're foretelling or forthtelling, they're written down in the inerrant word of God, which means they take precedence over every other prophecy. And I just, want, I just want to put out a thought to you because I've heard people talk about this and they've tried to say that nobody can give prophecies today and they're using that as a contrast from the prophecies that are written in scripture. But let me just ask you a question. Just think with me a little bit. Do you think that there were a lot of prophecies that were given over the last 5,000 years that were not recorded in the Bible? Yeah. Do you think that there were a lot of prophets that were raised up in Bible days that have, we have no record of their names or their prophecies or what they did? Do you think that? Or do you think every prophet and prophecy is recorded in the Bible? No, we only have what we need. The prophecies and the prophets mentioned in Scripture are meant to go beyond their time and that particular event. And so it's important to realize that just because a prophecy is a message inspired by God communicated through a person does not make every prophecy equal. And so this is what we need to understand. There were many prophecies. In fact, there are actually many prophets that are referred to in the Old Testament, and you never heard a prophecy that they ever gave. 
Because why? Because they prophesied to a person or a situation and it didn't need to be mentioned beyond that particular context and location. It was specific. And so you just start to, ha- you have to start thinking about that if you're going to accept that there is such a thing as prophets and prophecy today, you, not have, you don't have to move beyond the boundaries of Scripture, but you have to understand why certain prophecies are in Scripture. What we are not saying when we prophesy today, which I'm going to get to for the weeks to come, is that when we prophesy that it equates to Bible prophecy. In fact, what we are saying is no prophecy equates to Bible prophecy except for Bible prophecy, and that's why it's in the Bible. And so often what we try to do is we try to hold prophecy, or there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that try to hold prophecy to a biblical level when they don't understand that not every prophecy is meant to have a forever you know, impact for every person of every generation of all time. That's not what charismatics are saying. In fact, you should hug me because I'm actually separating the two, holding the inerrancy of Scripture above all of it and saying the prophecies that we give are similar to the ones that are not recorded in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They did not have precedence for every person's life, and they're not meant for us, but the ones written down in the Scriptures really are. And so this is really important for us to consider. There's more on that in just a few moments, but I've encountered a lot of foretelling. So I have both given words about things that would happen in advance and I, have both rece- and I have also received words about things that would happen in advance. Here's just a great example without any exaggeration. And I love saying that because sometimes people are looking for that exaggerative thing, right? You go and people like, oh yeah, thousands of people were healed and there was only 40 of us in the room. And you know, that stuff sort of happens and people get sort of sick of the exaggeration. We're not going to do that here at Northwest Church because it cheapens what we're actually talking about. So let's not do that. Let's just talk about what it is. This was a time I went to a friend of mine's church, and I was preaching, and there was this young guy, I think I was preaching on, I think it was taking authority over demons, of all messages. I'm pretty sure that was the message, and that was a fun night. Anyhow, I preached on that, and this guy walks up, and I was praying over people, and he was watching me prophesy over some people, and they weren't like fantastical words. They were just words right to the heart, and the Lord knows. And he watched that, and he said, hey, will you pray for me? so that I can hear the voice of God more clearly and, and do what I saw you do. And I said, absolutely. So I lay hands on him and I pray. I said, Father, I thank you that this young man, he would be able to, I was young too, but this young man would be able to hear your voice more clearly in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. And he said, amen as well. And you know what he did? The first thing that he did, he said, can I pray for you? And I said, sure, you know, give it your best shot. So he put his hands on my shoulders, just like I put my hands on his shoulder. He did the exact same thing that I just did. It was awesome. And then he starts praying for me, and he's getting through this thing. And then he says, and in three days, you're going to receive a gift, and it's going to take care of all the needs that you currently have. Just like that. And I said, okay, amen. Now, I was a youth pastor at a church in Kirkland, Washington at the time. I was doing, we didn't do online Bible college in those days. We did uh, distance learning where they sent you like a packet. (laughs) You know, that's what I was. So I was doing that and I was working at this other job and I had medical bills that racked up and I was not, I I didn't have any money for them. Okay. So it was about $450. I had this medical bill and I'm like, how am I going to pay this bill? That was on a Thursday. Sunday, I go to my church and I'm setting up chairs and this guy walks up to me just like this. He walks up to me and goes, hey, Ben. I was supposed to give this to you last week, but here you go. God bless you, man. He just walks away. And I said, awesome. What's in the envelope? I walk outside, I open the envelope, and it's like $475. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yes. But God brought me back three days before on Thursday where the guy I prayed for literally looked at me and said, in three days, you're going to receive a gift, and it's going to take care of all of your needs, just like that. And I thought, what in the world? (laughs) You know, you're always trying to get a formula. That was the joke. You didn't get it. (laughs) Everybody, everybody get prophecy, but it didn't work. What was awesome about that was the Holy Spirit was in that. So not only did I pray for him, but God ministered 
what I would consider a foretelling word. It was three days. It was a gift, which means it wasn't income. I was not being paid for rendering services. It was a gift that somebody gave me. And the funny thing was the guy said, I was supposed to give this to you last week. So talk about the sovereignty of God. Don't you just think that's cool? I just had goosebumps go all the way down my body. Glory bumps. I had them go all the way down my body. It was incredible. I love that kind of stuff because it shows how involved God is in the details. And he used a guy that had never prophesied before. He had never done that. He was asking me to pray for him to do that kind of a thing by the Holy Spirit. And he did right then and right there. And I thought that was just so incredible. And so I've had this happen. I've shared words and I've received words. And no, they're not on some like world scale because they're not meant, the words that I receive, foretelling words, are not always meant for like, you know, I'm not a prophet to the United States. In the Bible, there are prophets that have different levels of authority. There were some prophets that spoke to Israel. There were some prophets that spoke to other nations. You understand there were some prophets that only had one prophetic word to speak to a king, and you never hear from them again. In fact, we're going to go through some of those examples. And we've got to remember this. Like there's different levels of anointing and there's different levels of authority. What I'm trying to do is stagger your thinking a little bit so that you and I can actually think through what the Bible says about prophecy. And we cannot just have this simplistic view of what it is and what it means every time. There are different words, different kinds of words. And those words are meant for different people. And some of them are in the Bible and they actually still minister to us. And some were meant but they actually weren't described. And so it helps to set us up for hopefully the charismatic gifts of prophecy for today. When we get there, it's going to help us to understand that. But what is forthtelling? I've explained foretelling, but forthtelling is kind of like a comparison. And I know this falls short, but follow me. It's like free writing where you basically write down whatever comes to your heart and mind without trying to figure it out. Now, before you think, I don't know what I'm talking about, this is what I mean. I mean, when you begin to pray for someone, if you lay hands on someone or you pray for someone, have you ever begun to pray for someone and you're like, Father, I just thank you for this person and I thank you for provision over their life and that, Lord, you're the provider and you're doing a new work inside of them and, God, there's things that they're going to need for you to come through on. In fact, they're praying for them. Have you ever prayed like that over somebody? Almost everybody in the room, right? Okay, were you just pulling those words out of thin air or was that a prophetic prayer? You follow what I'm saying? I mean, we're prophesying, but we're praying. And so what most people don't do is they don't recognize that they're actually prophesying and they never stop and they say, hey, wait a minute, that's a divine moment right there. I believe that the Holy Spirit just used that prayer and he's giving you a word. What I'm gonna help you do over the next several weeks is help you to divide just realize, not divide, but realize that there's a, thin, there's a thin line between prayer and prophecy. You're going to see that because as we pray, we're going to do it publicly. You're going to see how quickly we move from a prayer to a prophetic word. And all we got to do is learn how to pray for people. I have gotten everybody that I know of to be able to prophesy. Why? If you can pray, you can prophesy. To foretell is kind of like free writing. As long as you can pray, you're going to be able to minister prophetically. And no, you and I do not have to say, yea, I say unto thee, walk through the shadows of the valley of thee, and you know, someday you're going to see. You don't have to rhyme, and you don't have to use some eloquent language that you don't know how to use anyways. And I'm not making fun of people that have done that. I'm just saying that that is a preference. That's a style. And I don't think God does or doesn't use that, but what I'm trying to say is, is that forthtelling is speaking forth the present priorities of God. And it's kind of like as we pray, we notice that the Holy Spirit begins to minister. And I believe that as we walk in peace, we will learn to hear that and see that more often. Peace is the potting soil for revelation. It truly is. So as we walk in the peace of God that's beyond comprehension, what we notice is that we stop like, you know, because when I preach sometimes I get kind of amped up. But when I slow down, what I notice, and in fact, Pastor Steve has told me this before. Hey, just so you know, he's like, he's taking care of me, okay? He's teaching me the good stuff. He said, hey, you know, he just, in a nice way, I think he's trying to tell me to calm down and, and minister out of the gift of God. And when I do that and I slow down, I notice that the peace of God it umpires my, my mind, right? It starts to 
give me discernment and I can pick up on things when I'm praying over people. It's fantastic. And so because it's really the shalom of the Lord and it causes us to be able to discern, in my opinion. So forth telling, there are many... Um, there are many Bible examples of this. Let me go ahead and just give you a few. I already mentioned one in Numbers eleven twenty six. It says, Eldad and Medad prophesied among the Israelites. Do you notice that it doesn't tell you what the prophecy is? You ever notice that it'll actually say in the Bible multiple times, and they prophesied, and the prophecy's not even mentioned? Why? Because you didn't need to know it. Usually what they were doing was they were declaring the praises of God, and that was considered a prophecy. They were prophesying something about God that was relevant in that moment, and it wasn't even recorded, other than to say that they were prophesying. Another one is where Saul prophesied in the midst of the company of prophets in 1 Samuel 10, 6. It says that he fell down, and he started prophesying, and they found him naked, which is another little detail that the Bible mentions. I don't really understand that part. Don't ask me about it. I don't understand. But that's what it actually says. It says he fell down and he starts prophesying and he was there all day. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know what an all day prophesying event looks like, but it sounds kind of awesome. Number three is Peter spoke by the spirit that what the believers were experiencing and the people were witnessing was the fulfillment of the prophecy from the book of Joel. And that's in Acts chapter two. Peter steps up. They're experiencing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in 14 different dialects. People, some people think they're crazy. Some people think it's amazing. Peter steps up and he says, this is that which was prophesied four to 800 years ago. We still don't know, but it was hundreds of years before that day. He says, this is that. He had a revelation from the Holy Spirit and he's foretelling what is happening in that moment. He's speaking forth the present priorities of God. We see the disciples at Ephesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says they began to prophesy, Acts 19.6. It doesn't say anything about what they said. It just says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there's many other examples of this, but a forth-telling prophecy is more common, and it can range in purpose from declaring the character of God. It's the right, right word, at the right moment to the right person. It's the right word at the right moment to the right person. And you and I might mistake it for wisdom or good advice or something that somebody just says, but it always sticks. You ever walk away from a conversation with someone and what they had to say, not like a, not just like an average comment, but there was something in that counsel that stuck in your heart and it didn't leave you? Have you ever had that experience? That was, a, that was probably a prophetic word. Maybe not all the time, but that's often what happens. Just an example of forthtelling. I was ministering at a church in Atlanta. In fact, I was actually at a home group of church planters, and they were, this was a group that had recently just planted a church at the time. And I began to pray over people, and as I did, I shared prophetically over this one gal. Actually, I prayed over half of them. But they would send me, sometimes people would send me testimonies. I didn't ask for them, but they would send them and, uh, and encourage me. And so I just wrote this one down so that I could say it in her words, what happened, because I think it's kind of cool, and it gives an example of what we're talking about. And this is what she said. Recently, a guy named Ben had <laughs> joined our gathering to encourage our church plant. I had been in a difficult and challenging season in many aspects, especially my health, that affected my eyes and autoimmune system. I was scared and I had been searching for answers and I was feeling discouraged and alone. And I didn't know anybody in this room except for two people and they were the ones that owned the home. But everybody else I didn't know. I didn't know this lady. Ben prayed for me specifically without knowing anything going on in my life. He felt that God showed him Psalm 27, in which, he had, which happened to be the same verse that the Holy Spirit had been stirring in my heart for the last several days. Ben then started talking about how God wanted to heal my eyes, open my eyes and give me vision how he is changing my perspective and that I'm carrying a lot of hope in my life. This word was so right on where I sat, um, where I was at and what God wanted to show me. Truly, it was a moment I felt so seen and loved on by God. And from that point on, it was a catalyst for big, a big shift in my heart that helped me break through a wall I had in connecting with God through such a hard season. In addition, God has been consistently healing my eyes 
and also at the same time revealing to me how to walk with him step by step in spiritual and physical health. Now, I just want to point out something really funny about the word. I don't know anybody in the room except the two people, and as I'm praying over her, I give her the verse that she's been meditating on, which, by the way, pretty cool. Second thing that happens, you know, you know everybody smile. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I mean, what, do you know how many verses are in the Bible? I just, how do you do that? Like, la, 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 bam. How about this one? That's the one. You know, I don't know how that happens if God isn't, in, isn't, in, isn't involved. So anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I start praying over and I'm like, vision, God's opening your eyes. I don't know that she's struggling with her ability to see physically. And I just go like, hey, God's giving you vision. God's going to teach you how to do this and that. And I, I thought it was a metaphor. And you know what's funny? It was. But it was also physical. And God actually does that in scripture. There are many scriptures that are actually a pun on words in Hebrew. God's got a sense of funny. And he'll do that prophetically, and he's done it in scripture. There's a couple in Amos, there's some in Ezekiel, and we could go through those Hebrew words, but it's interesting how God will use that, and I've seen it happen several times. It's interesting. I'm forthtelling present priorities of God into her life right where she is. And you know what's amazing? It's powerful for the person that receives a word. You know why? Because we live in a deficit of encouragement. You don't know it until you need it. And then when you need it, you realize it's not there. And so we all in those seasons, like nobody likes Joel Osteen until they go through a hard time. Right? No, I'm serious. Like everybody criticizes the optimistic, encouraging person until they go through a really difficult time. And then they go, I was so wrong. I love this guy. He is amazing. Maybe I'm telling my own story. All right. And so we have foretelling speaking about something before it happens, and we have forthtelling, speaking the present priorities of God. Both of these are prophetic. Both of these are prophetic words. Both of them are important, and I think what has happened to us is that because we have, are so looking for the, this is what's going to happen in 2021, that we dismiss an incredible amount, in my estimation, 75% of what the prophetic actually is. That's what I think. That's my opinion. But I want to look just uh, with you briefly at the continuation of prophecy because part of why we have hindrances as it relates to the prophetic gift and ministry is because of theological positions that have been around for many, many years. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, but have you ever heard of the five solas, like sola scriptura and all of those? You ever heard of that? those? Comes from the Reformed Church. I'm not bashing the Reformed Church. I'm just saying those come. But a lot of what those were written for was to actually combat the Catholic Church. And so they were written because they didn't agree with the Catholic Church. Well, one of the things that happened in some of the Reformed theology that happens, you know, 14, 15, 1600s, when that started to develop, there was such an anti-Catholic movement that they didn't want to have anything to do with what some of the Catholics believed, which, by the way, were some of the charismatic gifts. You know how Catholics would, like, cast out demons and do some of that stuff? So the Reformers were like, none of that is for today. So that's where, in church history, some of this teaching and theology comes from. I am so anti. The gifts of the Spirit are gone. All of that's done away. It is sola scriptura. So when they wrote that, what they really meant what is the Bible alone, and all we need is the Bible. That's really where a lot of that comes from. Now, you and I, when we say that, we just mean that it's, our life is based on God's holy word. So a lot of times people say that today, and they don't actually mean what the reformers used to mean. We've kind of changed the meaning of where that comes from. But it's important just to recognize that there's a doctrine that came out of a lot of those movements called cessationism. Now, cessationism is basically people that have the theological view that God no longer gives gifts of the Spirit and primarily does not perform miracles. Some cessationists do believe that sovereign God can and will do some miracles at his own sovereign will or his own sovereign choice. But there are those that are full cessationists, and I have met them, and they believe God no longer does any of that because the canon of Scripture is closed. And since the canon of Scripture is closed, those things are no longer needed. All we need is God's perfect and full revelation that is written in the Bible. And they'll quote Scriptures like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is sandwiched in between two big chapters on the gifts of the Spirit, just sort of by the way. But 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13, verse 8, it says, love never fails, 
And by the way, can I make a little note because I'm writing a book right now called Spiritually Gifted and this is really important for you to know. Whenever you read Love Never Fails, it does not mean that love doesn't have failure. It means love never ceases. It is eternal. So I just, whenever you see like love, every time love is given, it just can't fail because it's so powerful. That is a bad interpretation. It's talking about love is eternal. It's an eternal quality of God, and it's something that goes on and on and on forever. It's not talking about when you do something that you think is loving, that somehow you're going to get a return back, which is seemingly how it's quoted. But anyways, that's sort of free. I just wanted to give that one to you because I... You know, it's a little pet peeve. But all right, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. And get this one. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, which is true. But when that which is perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And so what has happened over a long period of time, cessationists have taken verses like these and they have interpreted them to mean when that which is perfect comes as if that was the scriptures being canonized. When the scriptures came into what we have now today, it was closed. There's no longer any revelation. And anybody that says that God is still giving new revelation today, i.e. a prophecy, if I say I have a prophetic word, that would be new revelation to a person that is a cessationist, they would point to the scripture, that the scripture was already given, that which is perfect. But that's not what that verse means. When that which is perfect is speaking about Jesus Christ. It's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about Jesus Christ. We do believe that the word of God is inerrant, that it is God's holy word, but that's not what this verse is referring to. Why am I talking about this? Because for us to understand where we're going to go over the next several weeks, I've got to help us understand that there are reasons why we misinterpret and misunderstand what prophecy actually is. And when we look at prophets, you're going to find some interesting things that I uncovered. In fact, I didn't write this book um, as quickly as I was going to. I took an extra 12 months to write this because I had to understand some things a little bit better than I did, namely the, my understanding on prophets. Are there still prophets today? And I'm going to make a very strong case for, yes, there are New Testament prophets, but not all prophets had the same prophecies. Not all prophets had the same anointing. Not all prophets had the same authority. And not all prophets had their prophecies recorded in Scripture. In fact, there's only like 15, 16 that did. And think about, there's a couple times in Scripture where it says that there were hundreds of prophets, thousands of prophets actually, that are referenced. And so you have all of these mysterious prophets that are alluded to in the Bible that never get one in the book, but they had a ministry and they did prophesy. And I believe the same is true today. And if I can help convince people that God is anointed, has anointed us and God gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister, knowing that we have a deficiency of encouragement, and one of, the, one of the things that the gift of prophecy does is produce encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, 3, the gift of prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. How many of you think our world needs a whole lot more of that? Amen. Yeah. I really believe that if the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, not only in the church, but also in the world, and people will say to me sometimes, well, Ben, the gifts of the Spirit were, are only meant to build up the body of Christ. Well, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was not just restricted to the synagogue. In fact, where he cast out demons and where he ministered in power and where he did a lot of what he did was outside of the synagogue, the gathering place of those who were Jewish in his day, those that believed in Yahweh. And so it's really important for us to be convinced and to know what we believe, why we believe it, because our practice comes from our belief. And so I've, you know, I love debating this kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, what I really want is for people to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. You read passages that say like, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, but I can't hear God, I can't do anything, and we've got no power. <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, seriously though, I'm not, I'm not saying we're all going to minister at the same level that Jesus did. What I'm saying is, is that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. Not so I can feel powerful, not so that you think I'm great, but so that I can make Jesus known. That's the whole point of the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power. 
Kittle's Dictionary recognizes that word dunamis as power to do miracles. That's what Jesus did. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so what we're grappling over today is we're fighting as to whether or not this is true. And I'm already, you know, I believe it. So I'm trying to help everybody else either know it or be reminded of it. Because when we believe this, we will step out in faith. Faith in God's word is always based on what we believe God's word actually says. So you're not going to step out on something you don't think is true. If you were to say to me, well, why don't we see more healings? It's not rocket science. We've got to pray for more people. We've got to practice the Bible. It's it's just right down to that. We've got to lay hands on the sick to see them recover. We've got to employ the gifts of the Spirit if we want to see the Spirit manifest according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm already preaching to you my next book that's coming out. Don't you love it? It's called Spiritually Gifted, and I'll give you a copy for free. I'm not even selling anything to you. It's wonderful. I love stuff for free. So we know that which is perfect was speaking of Jesus, namely the second coming. Now I just want to, again, I want to go back to the difference, and I'm going to close on this, okay? There is something called Bible prophecy, and then let's just call it charismatic New Testament prophecy. That's what we're going to be talking a lot about for the weeks to come. So Bible prophecy, New Testament, charismatic prophecy. That's not the greatest term, but let's just use that. How do we know that there's a huge difference? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Now remember, Peter is a direct disciple of Jesus. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw the Lord transfigured in all of his glory right before his very eyes. Okay, remember that? I think it's Matthew chapter 17. Here's what Peter says, 2 Peter 1. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you would do well to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now, I think that's just a really pretty picture language to talk about the morning star being Christ, the parousia of God, the coming of the Lord. I don't have time for this, but this is such a beautiful passage because when it talks about the coming of the Lord in the Bible, the reference is that he's on his way. Think about coming. He's coming. He's on his way. It's like the morning star rises in our hearts. So the glory of the Lord continues to fill the whole earth tangibly. We know that the whole earth is full of his glory, but there is something about the coming of the Lord where there's an increase of his presence and his glory, and we think that darkness is going to cover the whole earth, deep darkness over the people, but he begins to rise and shine. Isaiah chapter 60 and 61. This is the glorious, this is the glory of the Lord. Listen to this. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture, I want you to get that, Second Peter chapter 1. No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You have to understand that word. No prophecy of Scripture. Now, am I trying to say that other prophecies shouldn't be accurate? I'm not. I am just saying they do not equate to prophecies of Scripture. Everybody understands the doctrine of the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture is that the timeless Word of God was written down in time and history. Over 40 authors, over 1,500 years, written in three languages that was written for every generation, for all people, for all time. The Bible says that the flower fades, but my Word will not pass away. And there's a difference between what was written in the Bible and what you and I do when we encourage each other with that sense that we have from the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Bible actually tells us that. And when we believe that, it gives us the faith to step out as we pray for people and encourage their hearts. And we don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Because as you're going to hear over the days to come, the reason that they would say this in the Old Covenant was because they had to know what God they were speaking for. 
There were many different gods, many different prophets. So when somebody said, thus saith the Lord, that was Yahweh. I am speaking for Yahweh, not Molech, not Ashtoreth, not Asherah. I am speaking for Yahweh, the one and true God. So when we today get up in a worship service and say, thus saith the Lord, we don't need to do that. We're in a Christian church. If there is any sense that you are speaking for another God, we will sit you down. Thank you. Thank you very much for your contribution. That's why 1 Corinthians 14 gives us a whole nother way to look at prophecy. It says that when somebody's giving a prophetic word, there are people that are discerning what is being said. And while this person's speaking, maybe they have a prophetic word and this one sits down and this one stands up and gives the word. Why? Because we're in Christ, we're in a Christian context, and we all know that we're discerning through the Holy Spirit. We're not wondering, is anybody here worshiping Baal? It's a different context than what the Old Testament is referencing. Now, I'm going to go over this because this is so important, and we've gotten it so strange. Guys, this is why Jesus would just walk up to people, the woman at the well, and he's like, go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. And she goes, you're a prophet. He would just talk to people in their context. He did not have to use religious verbiage or terminology. He spoke to the hearts of people. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about prophesying. We are convincing one another that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And if you believe that, I'm giving you a theology that says, I think that he's too close to you for you not to hear him. It does not mean every feeling you have is him. It does not mean every thought that you have from him is from him. Every dream that you have is from him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if we believe this, then we'll learn to discern the word of the Lord through knowing scripture, number one, and number two, cultivating a life with the Lord and a history with God whereby we recognize his voice more clearly in our life, especially as we minister to other people. It's powerful. Say, Ben, how do you know this? I have had the privilege of prophesying over thousands of people. And I have watched one word from God change someone's life in a moment. Why? Because it's not from me. I think the world needs what God gives, and I think what God has done is he's sown it into your life. What I'm trying to help us do is mine the gold so that we share it and give it away because he always gives more than we need. It's always enough to share. So this is the principle of spiritual gifts. It's not about looking spiritual, feeling spiritual. It's about loving people with power that God has given so that the world would know that Jesus is alive and well through his people. You are more than whatever your best day is. That's what I'm telling you. You can smile about that. Why? Because he lives in you. He lives in you. We just got to learn how to get out of the way and not get so weird. (laughs) Sometimes we get weird. We don't have to do that. We just speak to people. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.